today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. not in what we craft with our own hands, our own abilities, our, our, our own skills, our own finances, our own wisdom, our own intuition, uh, our own talent. It's none of that stuff. It's God working in an individual who comes up and says, Lord, I am nothing without you. And it's on that one that waits on the Lord, that trusts in the Lord, who says, I don't have the ability to get over this problem. I don't have uh, the, the finances to get through this thing. Lord, I don't, I don't know. I don't have the cleverness to get through all of this. Lord, again, it's all you or it's nothing at all. God has an expectation of us as his people. We will one day have to give an account to God for our lives. We can't live in disobedience to God without consequences. Isaiah speaks about the consequences of sin a lot. Sin was so entrenched in the nation that judgment was inevitable. But God's message through Isaiah is filled with hope and help for anyone who recognizes their need for God and comes to Him in humility. In today's message, Pastor David will teach you that you need God in your life. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Isaiah chapter 27 as he continues his message, God's judgment and comfort. If, if you know the Lord and you are walking away from him, he will bring discipline on your life. You better hope and pray he brings discipline on your life because it's a loving God that disciplines his children. If you've been walking in disobedience and if you've been walking away from him and you're saying, well, God's letting me get away with so much, I keep going and going, and God hasn't done anything to me yet, then you better stop and pause and think, am I really his? Because he will bring discipline to his children. We look at the unbelievers that are in Israel, chapters 28 through 33. Again, uh, chapter 28, man, uh, this self-indulgent, this scoffing Israel, they will be judged. But even in that, there's this remnant that continues to advance the kingdom. And they're going to be, again, set and, and in place there. They'll, they'll be established. And again, a cornerstone is going to be laid in Zion. Look at verse 16 of chapter 28. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. Also, I will make justice the measuring line, the righteousness and righteousness the plummet. And, and the hail will sweep away the refuge of lies and the waters will overflow the hiding place. Your covenant with death will be annulled and your agreement with Sheol will not stand. When the overflowing scourge passes through, then you will be trampled down by it. As often as it goes out, it will take you for morning by morning, it will pass over and by day and by night, it will be terror just to understand the report. God has that foundation of truth and of righteousness. 
And as long as man continues to reject that, man is going to be under the judgment of God. We know, again, from the New Testament that this stone, this tried stone, this precious cornerstone is the Lord Jesus. We understand that. We see that now at this point in time. When we get to chapter 29, again, those that, that, that are literally blind of soul, they're, 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 they're deceived. They're going to be turned over again to their enemies. And so that, again, the, 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 the whole nation uh, has to be sanctified with the blessing of God because, again, of those that, that are moving away, this disobedience. Look there in verse 9. Pause and wonder. Blind yourselves and be blind. They are drunk and not with wine. They stagger, but not with intoxicating drink. For the Lord has poured out on you the spirit of deep sleep and has closed your eyes, namely the prophets, and he has covered your heads, namely the seers. The whole vision has become to you like the words of a book that is sealed, which men deliver to one who is literate, saying, read this, please. And he says, I cannot, for it's sealed. Then the book is delivered to one who is literate, saying, read this, please. And he says, but I'm not literate. Therefore, the Lord said, inasmuch as these people draw near with their mouths, they honor me with their lips, but they have removed their hearts far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the commandment of men. Therefore, behold, I will again do a marvelous work among the people, a marvelous work and a wonder, for the wisdom of their wise men will perish, and the understanding of their prudent men will be hidden. And he goes on to these woes to those who, again, try to hide. And again, you say that you're here, you you declare that, but in your heart, it's not right. And so God is going to bring that judgment. It continually speaks about this judgment coming over and over again. They cannot get away from it. In chapter 30, we speak of the rebuke that's given again for trusting in allies, trusting in these other nations, rather than trusting in the Lord himself. Again, uh, when we trust in God for our strength, that's where our faith comes from. When we trust in the physical things, that's not faith. That's trusting in man. But when we stand against insurmountable odds and we say, you know what? Unless God does this thing, we'll all perish. Beloved, that's a faith builder. It's when you and I get to a point in our life where, man, the doctors can't do it, the economists can't do it, the marriage counselors can't do it, nothing that we can grasp hold of on this earth can do it, and we fall on our knees and say, Lord, unless you do it, we're going to perish. Beloved, that's where our faith is strengthened. That's where our faith grows. Nothing wrong with marriage counselors, financial counselors, or doctors. I'm glad they're all there. But if that is our only hope, Beloved, woe be to us. Woe be to us. In verse, or chapter 34, again, he's going to destroy the Gentiles because they continue to turn against him, continue to reject him, even though uh, Israel was to be the light to the Gentiles. They did not do that, and, but the Gentiles still are responsible. That, that brings to my mind my understanding. When we stand before God, there's not a one of us that are going to have an excuse. There's not a one in the world, in all of creation, that's going to have an excuse. Well, God, you never sent the preacher to my door. God, you never dropped a Bible in my lap. 
when in reality, God has declared himself through all things, through all of his creation. That's why Paul tells us so clearly, man, God made himself known, God revealed himself, and yet man still turned against him. Chapter 35, the blessing of the redeemed. Again, they're gonna see the kingdom of peace. They're gonna see prosperity, both physically and spiritually. The nation is going to grow again. Verse five of chapter 35. The eyes of the blind shall be opened. The ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the dumb sing and the waters shall burst forth in the wilderness and the streams in the desert. The parched ground shall become a pool and the thirsty land springs of waters. I keep praying for fulfillment of these scriptures here in Casa Grande, okay? <laughs> anytime, anytime, Lord. And then we have a big rain and we say, okay, Lord, that, that's, that's enough, that's enough. But he's speaking here again, there's this call back that... These are the promises of God that God's going to do. That again, his judgment to his people is a disciplining, not for utter destruction, but to again, get their understanding, get their hearts, get their minds, get their souls right back on direction with him. He says, man, there's gonna be a highway that's gonna be there, verse eight, and a road, and it shall be called the highway of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it but it shall be for others. And whoever walks the road, although a fool shall not go astray. Amen? Okay, so that's, that's hope for a lot of us. Verse nine, no lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast go up on it. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there and the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion and everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. There's a great chorus with that. that just, again, they shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and fainting will flee away. Man, that's what Isaiah is promising. Look, judgment's gonna come because, again, you're, you're, you've gone away from the Lord. But after God has brought that time of discipline, God's love for you, he's gonna bless you in a way you can't even begin to imagine. So he's trying to explain this to the people there of the southern kingdom of, of Judah and trying to over and over again. For 60 years, he's proclaiming these things. Then we get to the, 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 the life, the ministry, the, the, the reign of King Hezekiah. And just real quick, in essence, the Assyrians had come to invade uh, uh, Judah, the, the, the southern nation. Uh, he had even sent uh, the, the main guy from Assyria, Sennacherib, had sent a letter to Hezekiah warning him, hey, we're going to come in, man. We're going we're to tear everything up. We're going to destroy you guys totally. And your God's not going to be able to help you. And your God is nothing. We went against all these other countries. None of their gods helped them. So why should your God help you? So Hezekiah starts getting worried. Isaiah comes in and says, look, God's got this, Hezekiah. God's got this. Chill. It's going to be Okay. And so Hezekiah, he says, okay, I will trust the Lord in this. And you know what? In the midst of this, there's his sickness. He almost dies. God brings him back, you know, from that, gives him more years. And the Assyrians, they, they end up, uh, an angel of death comes and destroys a bunch of them before they go back home. Sennacherib's, I think, is, uh, um, there, there's problems in the kingdom. He goes back. So the whole battle doesn't even take place. Then Hezekiah said, man, that is great. And you would think at that point, Hezekiah, who was a good king by and large, that he'd maintain his act and keep his act straight. But the problem is uh, he tries to impress somebody. 
And that happens to be the Babylonians who are overwhelming the Assyrians. And he invites the Babylonians to come on down. Look what all I've got in the treasure house. And Isaiah hears about it. And Isaiah says, what in the world have you done? Why did you do that? Uh, And again, his, his own pride becomes his own fall. And Isaiah says, well, because of your pride, because you've done that, you need to understand the Babylonians are going to take over. Not in your lifetime but it will happen. And that's in essence, uh, chapters 36 uh, through uh, 39. So uh, now we look at the, actually the last portion, the book of comfort. And this is really where I wanted to make sure and spend the greatest portion of our time, chapters 40 through chapter 66. We see here in chapter 40, Again, kind of the, the beginning uh, of this, the, the announcing of the, the coming of, of, of the God of Zion. Again, the, the encouragement again that, man, it's all going to happen. Look here in chapter 40. Look in uh, verse 3. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight, the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed. All flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Does that sound a little familiar to you? You know, again, a prophecy that, that speaks even of the words that John the Baptist declared in the coming of Christ, the coming of Messiah. So here, beginning in chapter four, is this great press as God reveals to Isaiah more and more information about his servant, the Messiah, that's going to come as a redemption, not only for Israel, but also for the Gentiles. God is not ignoring the Gentiles. God desires to save the Gentiles also. And we see that over and over. Now, again, we, we understand Israel is supposed to be the light to the Gentiles. They did a terrible job on that. And so we did not see a great outpouring of the Spirit on the Gentiles. But let's take a look at ourselves, okay? Let's take a look at the church. What we ought to be doing today is the very same thing that Israel was supposed to be doing back then. Israel would say to the Gentiles, in essence, Okay, we got it right. We got God on our side. We've got the laws. We've got the commandments. We've got the prophets. We've got the rituals. We've got the ceremonies. If you want to be one of us, then come on. Rather than declaring again the greatness of God to these nations, they declared in pride who they were. The unfortunate thing that I see many times within Christian ministries and the outreaches that we have within our communities. It's way too easy for us to say, clean up your act, then come and join us. You can't walk that way, live that way, talk that way, if you're ever gonna come join us. But you know, one of the things that I know, God takes care of us from the inside out, not the outside in. And we, as the church, need to continue to be a light to, in essence, quote-unquote, the Gentiles, to the non-believers. That means that we've got to love the unlovely. That means that we've got to be able to share with them the hope that's within us, not the rules, not the regs, not the fact that I don't smoke, I don't chew, I don't go with girls that do kind of an attitude. It's a reality that, you know what? God took me where I was. I Man, I, I still struggle. And where are we in the message of the hope of the gospel to a lost and dying world around us? Still in chapter 40, look over in uh, verses uh, 18 through 31. 
To whom then will you liken God or what likeness will you compare to him? The workman molds an image and the goldsmith overspreads it with gold and the silversmith casts silver chains. Whoever is too impoverished for such a a contribution, he simply chooses a tree that won't rot and he seeks for himself a skilled woodman to prepare a carved image that will not totter. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he, it is God, who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. He brings the princes to nothing and he makes the judges of the earth useless. Scarcely shall they be planted, scarcely shall they be sown, scarcely shall their stock take root in the earth when he will also blow on them and they will wither. The whirlwind will take them away like stubble. To whom then will you liken me? Or to whom shall I be equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things, who brings out their host by number. He calls them all by name, by the greatness of his might and the strength of his power. Not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God? Let me pause right there. What he's saying there is, why do you say that you can live your life and it it either won't matter to God or God doesn't really see what's going on? Or that, that, that when I cry out to him, God's not hearing me. When I bring my just claim to him, God doesn't really care. That's the charge that Isaiah is bringing to the people. He says, again, have you not known, verse 28, have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall be the ones that run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You see, it's not, it's not in what we craft with our own hands, our own abilities, our, our, our own skills, our own finances, our own wisdom, our own intuition, uh, our own talent. It's none of that stuff. It's God working in an individual who comes up and says, Lord, I am nothing without you. And it's on that one that waits on the Lord, that trusts in the Lord, who says, I don't have the ability to get over this problem. I don't have uh, the, the finances to get through this thing. Lord, I don't, I don't know. I don't have the cleverness to get through all of this. Lord, again, it's all you or it's nothing at all. Those that wait on the Lord, they'll renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. That's what God is wanting Israel to do. That's what he wants you and I to do still today. The worst thing that could happen to the church in general is for the church to prosper in such a way that we don't need God. The worst thing that could happen to a church is that our meetings go so well. Our worship, our our music is so refined that we don't need God. 
we can come and we can be encouraged, we can be strengthened, we can have a great time and not even know that the Holy Spirit wasn't present. And beloved, the unfortunate reality is I believe that's happening to more churches than we care to think about. There's way too many churches who continue on business as usual and the Holy Spirit left a long time ago. Again, he's speaking about he's going to raise up a, a deliverer. He's going, to, he's going to watch over them. He's, he's going to keep them. Uh, verse 4, he says, uh, Who has performed and done it, calling the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, I am the first, and with the last, I am he. Down in verse 8, he says, But you, Israel, are, are my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the descendants of Abraham, my friend. In other words, God says, man, I, I am God and you're my friend. I want to work and move in you. Second part of verse nine, he says, you're my servant, I've chosen you and I have not cast you away. Fear not for I am with you. Don't be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I look at that and I think this is a message to a people who are in exile because of their disobedience and their sinfulness. They deserve to be destroyed. But God says, no, I've I've formed you, I've fashioned you. I'm with you. It's my right hand that's gonna uphold you and keep you. He's calling them back to himself. Down in verse 13, for I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, fear not, I will help you. Fear not, you worm, Jacob. I love that verse. He calls it like it is. He says, you're nothing, you're you're a worm, but I love you anyway. How many of us can attest to that fact, eh? Fear not, you worm Jacob, you men of Israel. I will help you, says the Lord, and your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Behold, I will make you into a new threshing sledge with sharp teeth. You shall thresh the mountains and beat them small. And on and on he goes again of his strength, of his might, working and moving within them. Look uh, again, that whole idea, that whole understanding that it's his hand that's working. Chapter 42, again, uh, the Lord is raising up uh, uh, his servant uh, and, and the strength that's there, verses one through four. Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my elect one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. He will not cry out nor raise his voice, nor cause his voice to be heard in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break. The smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth, and he will not fail nor be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands shall wait for his law. I don't know if Isaiah understood and knew that he was speaking about the coming of Messiah or how he was writing it. We just don't know what the Lord was putting through his head. But every one of these, again, is a description, a a declaration of who Christ is. Again, he went as a sheep to the shears. He was silent in the midst of it. And, And this 
I, I love that, that portion there. A breezed root, he will not break. Smoking flax, he will not crush. Again, the tenderness of our Lord in the worst of our situations, in the weaknesses that we have, still God reaches out and touches us and draws us to himself. Surprisingly and sadly, too many followers of Jesus are Bible illiterate. They know a few basic names or facts, but the abundance of truth and love inside this great text is getting lost. This is why Pastor David feels it's necessary to take some time to work through the Bible in this series, and we're so glad you've joined us here on The Open Word for it. Each time you tune in, Pastor David will be giving you an accurate and succinct dialogue of a book of Scripture, pointing out the key passages and truths that everyone needs to be aware of. If you missed any part of today's message or any part of this series, we encourage you to visit our website. You'll be able to listen again at theopenword.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, and please feel free to share these teachings with your friends and family. Everyone can benefit from this Through the Bible series. Are you in the Casa Grande area? If so... Pastor David has an invitation to extend to you. Every message you hear on The Open Word is one that I shared here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande, a great church where I enjoy my role as senior pastor. I'd love to see your face next time I get up to teach, and I'd really enjoy meeting you afterward. Please consider coming on out and joining us this weekend. You'll be able to find all the information you need at theopenword.com. Just click the Calvary Chapel link at the bottom of the page See you there. Thanks, Pastor David. That's all for today. But join us next time to continue through the Bible here on The Open Word.